Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to the Omaha-bound Texas Tech Red Raider baseball team. The one-two pitch. Got him! Texas Tech has won the shootout! Adios, Cowboys! Hello, Omaha! I'm your host, Keith Patrick. That's Jeff Haxton there on the call. Red Raiders taking the Super Regional two games out of three and headed to Omaha for the fourth time in six years. Man, what an exciting time to be a Red Raider. The track team wins a national championship. I got so into that one. Following it on Twitter, wanting to share that news. So neat to watch that. I've mentioned before that my sister ran track at Texas Tech and been a little bit of a track fan over the years here and there, seen a lot of it. But man, I'd never done anything like that. Just following along as the Red Raiders scored points and you just kind of got to that point of mathematical inevitability and they had that baby won. That was such a neat situation. I'll tell you what, the country is taking notice. They are seeing that there is fire in Lubbock, Texas right now. A lot of things happening with Texas Tech that people are turning their heads and paying attention from a basketball team that was the national runner-up playing in a national championship game, a national champion men's track program, the first men's national championship in school history, a baseball team that's absolutely on fire, headed to Omaha, fourth time out of six years, first time that they've gone two years in a row, just a lot of amazing things going on right now in spring sports. And I know that there's others that I'm not mentioning here as we go along, but man, just happy to be here. Everybody looking forward to what is about to come. Going to make the drive up to Omaha, planning to stay as long as I possibly can, hopefully be able to stay all the way until a national championship trophy is hoisted by the Red Raiders. Looking forward to everything that Omaha has to hold. It's a great time up there, but let's recap this super regional, talk about what the Red Raiders got themselves into, talk about how that series went. But before we do all of that, I got a little something for you. You know, you hear me talk about those big historic plays, and we definitely had one that got added into the mix this weekend. So I got a little something here, kind of a trip down memory lane so we don't forget where we came from. Floater towards right center. It carries well. A diving kiss. Devin Conley with the play of his life. And it's still 1-0. That stands above the rest, my friend. He's got one mission. Now it's time to ride again. Left field, well struck Desloni. Picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. And Texas Tech wins it. Tyler Nesloni guns down Jonathan India. And that's the ball game. Lippitt lifts this one to left. This will push Little back. Oh, what a catch! Grant Little goes Superman out of the track on a ball that just kept carrying into the corner. It's time to make it. Red Raider, let's try it again. 
1-1. Popped up to right center field. Boone going back. Wind blowing it out. Adios, muchacho! Kurt Wilson sends this place into hysteria. Three-run home run in the Red Raiders lead. Eight to six. Incredible. Red Raider coming at you on a so, of course, the Red Raiders hosted the Oklahoma State Cowboys this weekend, a team that you had played in April and swept during Big 12 play. This is something that's been talked about a lot. I've talked about it on the radio locally here in Lubbock and on other podcasts. Just kind of a ridiculous situation, in my opinion, the NCAA selection committee. They matched up a bunch of conference teams to potentially meet in the Super Regional. If Chalk held in five of the eight regionals, it would be an in-conference matchup in those Super Regionals. So in their mind, they were guaranteeing that conferences were represented at the College World Series, but what they ended up doing was knock good teams out or force good teams to knock each other out rather than giving us some more interesting matchups. Chalk did not hold in the majority of those Super Regionals, and you only had two conference matchups that did come along. Texas Tech and Oklahoma State was one of them. It was a tough one. And you got to tip your cap to the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Their fans can kick rocks as far as I'm concerned, but their team played some really good baseball this weekend. They were tough opponents. Man, can they swing it. They played hard. They played for each other. It was a lot of fun out there. And man, nail biters just hanging on every pitch at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park. So on Friday afternoon, the Cowboys roll into town. Micah Dallas gets the start. He goes five innings pitch. He gives up four hits, three runs, only two of them earned, one walk, and nine strikeouts in his 81 pitches. Micah Dallas is the only freshman in a Power 5 conference that's 7-0 and on the season. I absolutely love this kid. I love the way he plays baseball. I love the fire and excitement he brings. As the celebration kind of started to die down after the Red Raiders won on Sunday, the dog pile had broken up. Everybody's getting their hats and their boards and all that kind of stuff. He came up and down the first baseline, pumping the crowd back up. I love his intensity, love his fire. Man, he's a lot of fun to have around. Look forward to a couple more years of him tossing that ball for the Red Raiders. So it wasn't an easy one for Texas Tech. They were up 3 nothing heading into the fourth inning, Oklahoma State. It was held scoreless through the first three, but in the second inning, you had Kurt Wilson singling through the left side, and then he stole second. Braxton Fulford walked, as did Gabe Holt. And so you ended up with the bases loaded, and then Dylan Noisy singles to center field, scoring two runs. Brian Klein follows that with a walk, but you end up with a flyout. So the Red Raiders score two in the second. They play one more in the third inning when Cody Masters hits a solo shot to right center field to score another one for the Red Raiders. But then Oklahoma State storms back. They end up scoring two in the fourth. You walk the leadoff man in funk, and then you allow a single immediately after. So you end up with what you would hope would be runners on first and second, but then an E9 actually advances the runner to third base. And then Trevor Boone, the big power stick for the Cowboys comes in he singles up the middle that scores two runs but the Red Raiders answer with three in the bottom of the fourth Braxton Fulford leads it off with a single to the shortstop that he legged out they just couldn't get the throw off he's advanced around when Gabe Holt grounds out Dylan Noisy walks then Brian Klein with a nice single to right field scores the run Cameron Warren reaches on an error by the center fielder and then you ended up with 
two unearned runs in that one. That was really a nice job by Cam Warren legging that out, as well as Brian Klein and Dylan Noisy with heads-up base running. That one worked out really nicely for the Red Raiders. It was definitely what you needed to see happen in that situation. Oklahoma State answered with one more in the fifth, but then they were unable to score in the sixth, as was Tech. Oklahoma State with two in the seventh, and the Red Raiders get a solo shot from Josh Young in that seventh inning and plate one more. Both teams end up with one run in the eighth, but ultimately nothing more from there. The Red Raiders take it eight to six. They out hit Oklahoma State 11 to nine. They do have two errors on the night, something that you did not like to see from the Red Raiders, especially knowing that you're going into next day's game with a chance to go to Omaha. However, you're going to be the away team, which is idiotic if you ask me, but we've already covered that ground. When you look at the comparison numbers for that first game, the Red Raiders out hit the Cowboys 324 to 257. They hit 273 with two outs. The Cowboys only hit 100. They were one of 10 that night with two outs. Cowboys did out hit Texas Tech with runners on, but they were equal in runners in scoring position, both hitting 273. But leadoff was where the Red Raiders really made hay. Their leadoff men hit 375 on the night to only 222 for the Pokes. So it was a good night offensively for Texas Tech. The pitching did a really nice job. Dane Havman came in for an inning and a third. He did give up two runs. He had two strikeouts. Not his best outing. Taylor Floyd comes in for two-thirds. Gives up two hits but no runs. He has a walk and a strikeout. And then John McMillan, a really nice job by him. Two innings pitched. One hit, one run. It was not earned. A walk and three strikeouts. McMillan looked great. And you know on a Friday night, he throws 38 pitches, and you're thinking, okay, John McMillan's a guy that we could see again on Sunday, and we definitely did. You knew the Cowboys were going to come in swinging it. They were going to hit hard. Their first baseman, Alex Garcia, hit a solo home run in the fifth of that Friday game. But Colin Simpson continued to struggle, struck out three times on the night. He had a fly out. He did single once and ended up coming around to score a recipient of that E9 that helped move him around. But he really struggled. Their big catcher, he hit a home run basically every day of the Big 12 tournament and had struggled through the regional, including that first night against Texas Tech. On Saturday, as I mentioned, the Red Raiders are the away team on their home field. Caleb Killian gets the start. You know, he struggled in the regional. He only went four and two-thirds on the night, so you wanted to see a longer start out of Killian. He did go six innings pitched. He gave up five hits, three runs, two walks. He had eight strikeouts in his 99 pitches. But you felt pretty good about what your pin looked like. Unfortunately, there were some struggles there when the Red Raiders came out. Throughout the night, you struggled offensively. A lot of atom balls just could not get anything through the gaps. You were hitting them right at guys. Lots of hard-hit line drives. You did not get your leadoff man aboard until the fifth inning when Brian Klein smacked a double into center field. But other than that, you really struggled with the leadoff man. You didn't get the next one aboard until the ninth, and that was Gabe Holt reaching on an E6. You did have a home run. Drew Baker went up and whapped one to left field. That was a solo shot, but nice to see some offense out of that young man. It was a really nice night for Drew Baker. He was two for three with a walk, two runs scored, two RBI. Looked really good out there. He had earned the start at third base. Of course, the big storyline of that Saturday night game, Gabe Holt, in a big-time hustle play, makes a dive at first base, which we saw him do in the opening series of the season. And you hated to see him sacrificing his body that early. Well, he caught his thumb on the bag as he went over and ended up breaking the tip of his thumb. I've seen the x-ray. does have 
a broken bone at the end of his thumb. Texas Tech flew their surgeon back in, and on Monday morning they did do surgery to repair that. There are hopes that Gabe could be available in Omaha at some point. Just depends on swelling and rehab time for that. But certainly wish him a speedy recovery. Glad it's not worse than it looked. Gabe looked like at one point he was holding his wrist. He went over the bag and then was able to get up from an errant throw and advance to second when the trainer and Coach Tadlock went out there. Simpson was working his finger, and you could see he was definitely in pain. Glad that it wasn't worse than it than it ended up being. Gabe did advance around to third. He ended up scoring the run. He reached on an E6, and he did end up coming around and scoring the run on a Brian Klein sack fly for the first out of that ninth inning, but but ultimately, the swelling got to him. He wasn't able to get a glove on and get out there and finish out the game. Tanner O'Trimble went in for him. Really, you know, there was a lot of conversation, certainly online, people just gnashing teeth. I, I get it. A lot of folks don't watch as much baseball as some of us do. But you have to remember that Tim Tadlock's a guy that's taken Texas Tech to three College World Series in five years. He deserves your respect, and he deserves for you to trust that he knows what he's doing. And quite frankly, if you think you know more about baseball or more how to run a team than Tim Tadlock, you probably just need to find a different team to watch because you're going to be really unhappy if you think every decision is wrong by number six. Because I'm telling you, the guy's doing a fantastic job. Not every decision is going to be perfect. You're not going to agree with every one. But for Pete's sake, the guy deserves our respect. He deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the decisions he's making. Clayton Beater does ultimately earn the loss for Texas Tech. Taylor Floyd came in. He had a third of an inning. You really needed Floyd to come in and throw strikes. He struggled. He threw some wild pitches, and ultimately Oklahoma State walked it off with a wild pitch that scored a run. So frustrating way to lose, frustrating evening for the Red Raiders. It was a frustrating offensive night for the Red Raiders. They were just not able to get a lot going. You had the solo shot. You did score five, but you know that's an offense that can do better than that, that can do better than they did. And you saw the Cowboys hit two two two-run home runs. Houston Morrill hit one, and Colin Simpson broke out of his slump in the eighth, and he hit a shot as well. So the Red Raiders go into a winner-take-all game Sunday, and as Tim Tadlock said in the post-game press conference, if you had told us the beginning of the year we could play one game to go to Omaha, we would have all signed up. So they came in hot, ready to go. Red Raiders were fired up. The ballpark was fired up. Finally, some of the just biggest trash that I've ever seen from fans in a ballpark. It was ridiculous the way they were acting, the way they were talking to Texas Tech fans, berating superfan Eric, both in the stands and on the way out of the ballpark. That's just Bush League stuff right there. Red Raiders finally got tired of them. The police finally got tired of them. And Texas Tech started shoving it down their throat with their own TTU spelling chant with arm motions and everything else. So glad to see the ballpark come together and support the Red Raiders, cheer together. It was a lot of fun. It was an electric atmosphere. Man, it doesn't get any better than postseason baseball like that. You're just hanging on every single pitch. Just to run through that game, Bryce Bonin got the start. He went four and a third innings pitch, gave up five hits, three runs. He had three walks and six Ks. But then it's John McMillan, who is just the absolute unit, comes out there. In his warm-up tosses, he looked absolutely terrifying. He was hitting the back wall. He wasn't able to throw a strike to save his life. He started to walk it in and kind of settle. 
He comes in, does three and a two-thirds. He has two hits, three runs, but two earned, two walks, and six Ks. So he has less walks than Bryce Bonnet and matches his strikeout numbers in only 58 pitches. Just a really nice job by McMillan. He broke triple digits a couple times. The balls were high, but it was still something to see. And then it gets those batters thinking about all of it. There were seven home runs hit in this game. All of them but one were solo shots. The wind was blasting out to right field at 30 miles an hour. You knew that was going to be an issue. In batting practice, Oklahoma State was working the right side. Whether they were pulling or hitting, they were working it all over the place. You knew that you were going to have Tanner Trimba most likely out at right field in an interesting situation, having to fill in for Gabe Holt, and the wind was going to be blasting out there. So fly balls were definitely going to carry Trevor Boone was the first one to break one loose. He hit a solo shot to left field in the second inning. That was the first scoring of the day, and it just felt like Tech was losing. I mean, obviously you're down a run, but it feels like you're down so much more. But the Red Raiders fought and clawed their way back. In the third, they played two. The Red Raiders hit three doubles in a row. Tanner Trimba down the left field line. Braxton Fulford scores him with an identical shot down the left field line. And then Dylan Noisy hits a double as well, but he tries to stretch it out into a triple and ends up getting thrown out. You know, a lot of people were talking about, was he too aggressive? Was it selfish? I think that they expected the the play to go to the plate. I think that they thought the throw was coming from left field to the plate. The left fielder threw it into third and got ahead of Noisy. Smart heads up play by him. You're just playing the odds there. I tip my hat to the aggressive nature of it, and you definitely would have loved to get the third run. But you play two in the third, and then you get another one in the fourth on a Josh Young solo shot to center field just to the right of the batter's eye. In the fifth, Oklahoma State hits a a couple of doubles back-to-back. They benefit from a wild pitch. You get a sacrifice fly in there, and they score two in the top of the fifth. But Texas Tech answers. Big stick Braxton and Fulford out of Monterey High School gets out there and cranks one to center field himself with a solo shot. So the Red Raiders go into the sixth, up 4-3. to three. The sixth is scoreless. And then in the seventh, Oklahoma State Cade Cabanis, the right fielder, he cranks one himself to right center, another solo shot, so it's a tie ball game. Heading into the bottom of the seventh where Texas Tech is not able to get anything going. You go into the eighth, Colin Simpson reels off and hits a solo shot himself, and it is an absolute moonshot. He hits the building that's out beyond right center field. It rebounds back towards the ballpark. And then Andrew Navigato follows him with a walk. He steals a base, benefits from an error, and comes around to score on a sack fly by the DH Bryce Carter. Things are feeling a little bit bleak at that point, and you're wondering, what are the Red Raiders going to do here? Because it's looking pretty bad. And then all of a sudden, Josh Young steps in again. He catches one that he likes, and he sends it out into the bullpen in right field. Another solo shot for Josh Young, so he cuts the lead from 2-1. to one. Cameron Warren walks, and then Max Marshock pinch runs for him. A fantastic call by Tim Tadlock, pinching Max Marshock in the bottom of the eighth, knowing that you can put his speed in the outfield, that you've got guys that can come in and play first base. He pinches him in. He steals second immediately. 
And then something you haven't been able to do because Gabe Holt has been out of the game. Dylan Noisy, your only other real steel threat that's been out there. Maybe Cody Masters as a DH. He has a lot of speed as well. But you didn't have Gabe Holt to steal bases, so you couldn't challenge Colin Simpson. Well, I'll tell you, Colin Simpson is a subpar defensive catcher. He did not do a good job. He was not good on Friday night. He does not have the arm strength to make the throw. They challenged him with Marshawk. He got the steal, and then the errant throw went out into center field. Marshawk advances around to third. Cody Masters then walks also. You've got runners on the corners, and you're in a position where just a ball to the outfield will score the tying run. Well, Kurt Wilson didn't care because he went up there and he hit an absolute shot, cranked one that carried and carried and slammed into the video board. Kurt Wilson with a three-run home run for the Red Raiders. It is a play that will go down in Texas Tech history along with the others as I played for you earlier. If you don't remember, Kurt Wilson hadn't played a whole lot. He came in as a pitcher. He's out of Arlington Martin, a very versatile player, very athletic guy, could play every position. In fact, last season, early in the year, he played eight of the nine positions out there on the field. Kurt Wilson able to do a ton for Texas Tech, but hadn't really found a spot. He went to Tim Tadlock's radio show at Rudy's Barbecue and just as a joke sent in a question and said, when is Kurt Wilson going to get more at bat signed, Kurt Wilson? Tadlock thought it was funny, went with it, put Kurt Wilson in, and he's locked down that left field starting spot because he has been hitting fantastically. Great job by Kurt Wilson out there. And then he comes in defensively in the ninth, and he stands in Cam Warren's spot and handles first base for the Red Raiders when Dane Havman comes in. Kurt Wilson talked about it later in the postgame press conference, said, man, I was just messing with Tadlock. The next thing I know, I'm starting in left field. But what a fantastic testament to a guy that had a sense of humor, was still on the team, part of the team, excited to be there, having a little bit of fun, and now look at him. He's going to be a starting – he's going to be in the starting lineup of a College World Series team. So things were not over at that point. You had a two-run lead heading into the top of the ninth. Dane Havman comes in. Red Raiders are definitely nervous because you've seen Havman struggle. He has an inning to pitch, and he needs to shut him down. Well, I'll tell you what, Dane Havman came in and did an absolutely amazing job. He did walk his first batter, and then there's a pinch runner there for Alex Garcia, the first baseman. But Cade Cabanis, the right fielder, who had hit a home run in the seventh, Havman sits him down with a swinging strikeout. And then Houston Morrill, the leadoff man, he fouls out to third base where Parker Kelly has come in defensively, made a nice play to get that ball in foul territory. And then Christian Funk comes up, who was at that point two for three on the night. He had a single and a double. He'd also had a walk. He'd scored a run. Dangerous hitter to come up. Havman sits him down as well in some of the loudest cheering that I think I've ever heard in Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park. Dane Havman gets the strikeout to win the game, and the Red Raiders are headed to Omaha. What an exciting moment for Texas Tech baseball. Lubbock and leave it. Texas Tech can start packing for Omaha. So you may have heard it already, but Tim Tadlock had some comments in the postgame press conference. I'm just going to play a clip of them for you because I think it will just remind you how much Tim Tadlock loves these guys that are playing baseball for him. I don't, I don't know about any type of recap. I'm just uh, really proud of these guys, proud, proud of who they are. 
Um, proud of the way they prepare. Uh, proud of the way they compete. Um, you know, I, I mean, honestly, I think the better team won today. Um, you know, the, the win was a little bit of a factor going in. Uh, it was really interesting. Uh, tell you, down two. I think we were down two going into the bottom of the eighth. Uh, Josh put together a really good at-bat uh, against Battenfield. Uh, you know, who's been really good this year against most of the Big 12? And really, I mean, I think that at-bat uh, gets Battenfield out of the game and uh, gets us to uh, Leaper. And it's Leaper's third day in a row to throw, and uh, guys put together some good at-bats on him. And uh, just a lot of individual things within that game that went on. Max Marzak getting you know, getting in there and putting pressure on him, stealing the base. Just a lot of things. Uh, congratulations to Josh and his staff in Oklahoma State. Um, you know, these, these guys – it's not every day you're going to run into a team with uh, – we, we got some guys can play the game a little bit. So that final game, you know, I've seen a lot of talk that our pitchers were just serving it up, that the Red Raiders were just not doing a good job, that they they wanted to lose. I mean, just some, some kind of outrageous things. Well, let me tell you this. Texas Tech hit 313 in the final game to Oklahoma State's 233. Oklahoma State didn't hit 233 just because they felt like it. They hit 233 because Texas Tech pitching was shutting down a team that is really an offensive powerhouse in a hitter's ballpark with 30-mile-an-hour winds going to right field. Texas Tech hit 364 with runners on. Oklahoma State hit a .077. They hit an 077 with runners on. Tech hit 333 with runners in scoring position. On Sunday evening, Oklahoma State hit 143. Tech hit 500 in the leadoff. The Red Raiders also hit 583 when they were in advancement opportunities. I'm telling you, the Red Raiders are the real deal. That game wasn't the prettiest thing you've ever seen, but they found a way to win it against a really good opponent. I agree with Tim Tadlock. The better team won. Oklahoma State was not the better team than Texas Tech any of these nights. Sometimes baseball just goes the way it goes. But I'm telling you, Texas Tech is an excellent team and they can compete with anybody in the country, especially when they're swinging it the way they have been. I'm looking forward to having a healthy Taylor Floyd in Omaha. He turned his ankle on the mound on Saturday evening, hoping that Gabe Holt has an opportunity to play, but also feeling really good about that lineup. If he doesn't get to play, Tanner Otrimba is a really talented young man. He's the, he was the number one prospect coming out of Colorado. He's an excellent, excellent player. And I'm glad to have him out there as well. And I know you look at him. His nickname is Bam Bam. Heard one guy say he's built like Zach Thomas. And I don't disagree with that, but he's a lot faster than he looks. So don't discount his speed. And he's got the power to bring with it. So you got plenty of guys that are ready to step up and play some baseball. And I think the Red Raiders are going to go to Omaha. And there's a lot of competing to be done. As Coach Tadlock said, you're five games from winning it all. Well, the series has been set. All of the games are complete at this point as I record on Monday night. The brackets are set. Bracket one has the Michigan Wolverines, your Texas Tech Red Raiders, the Florida State Seminoles, and the Arkansas Razorbacks. Bracket two, Louisville Cardinals, the Vanderbilt Commodores, the Auburn Tigers, and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So Texas Tech will face the University of Michigan at 1 o'clock Central Time on ESPN next Saturday June 15th. They'll be followed by Florida State versus Arkansas. 
tell you a couple of the storylines that are going on across college baseball. We're going to wrap this up. So in bracket one, a couple of the storylines there. Now, Arkansas, they are the national runner-up from last year. They were one out away, basically, from winning a national championship and ended up losing to Oregon State. Florida State is coached by Mike Martin. Mike Martin is literally in his 40th year of coaching. It's his final year. He announced his retirement last season that he would this would be his final season. His team has made it back to the College World Series. His 17th trip to Omaha as the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles. He has never won the national title, but he is this is his 17th trip to the College World Series. He's had 40 years coaching this team and every season has been a 40-win season. The worst season under Mike Martin at Florida State was a 40-win season with a loss in the regional. That was the worst year that he's had. He's an unbelievable coach, an unbelievable string of success there at Florida State. Needs to win the big one. I'm sure that's what they're thinking about. Sending him out with the big one, that would be an amazing storyline. I think there will be several teams that have something to say about that. But they're salty. They had a rough year. I would have argued that they didn't belong to in the field of 64, and now here they are in the College World Series. In fact, three of the final four teams that made it into the tournament, you had TCU, Florida State, Duke, and Michigan. TCU did not deserve to be in the tournament. Other teams were left out that could have been in instead of TCU. They were out incredibly early. Florida State, Duke, Michigan all made it to Super Regionals, and now you have Florida State and Michigan in the College World Series. Pretty impressive. The final four teams in a field of 64, three of them end up in Supers, two of them end up in Omaha. That really says something about the quality of competition across college baseball. So you have last year's runner-up that's back in Omaha. That really says something about that team. You have the legendary coach retiring his 17th trip to Omaha. Louisville is back in. Louisville has kind of been a team of the decade with their level of success. Vanderbilt is in. Vanderbilt's either been the number one or number two team all season. They were the number two seed nationally. The number one seed, UCLA, lost and did not come to Omaha. They lost ultimately to Michigan, who took the Corvallis Regional, knocked out the defending national champion in Oregon State and won the Corvallis Regional over Creighton and then took down the number one seed, UCLA, in L.A. And think about that for Michigan because they went to Corvallis, Oregon, won a regional and did not go home. They flew down the coast and went to L.A. and then won a super regional in three games against UCLA. That's really something. They had not been home yet. Auburn, also a team, hasn't been to the College World Series in a while. They haven't been since 1997. Michigan also hasn't been to a College World Series since the 1980s, I believe 1984. And then you have Mississippi State, Another team that has been numerous times in the College World Series, one of the most successful programs in college baseball, has also not won the big one. They're making their 11th trip to Omaha, and the closest they've gotten was as runner-up in 2013. Tons of problems for them last year. Lost their coach, had an interim, and then had a new coach at the end of the season. Now he's brought them back to Omaha as they seek out What's going down? I got sidetracked. I mentioned Vanderbilt. Number one and two all season long. Have a fantastic player in J.J. Blade, But in their Super Regional against Duke, Texas Tech's Super Regional opponent last season, the real story was the freshman pitcher, Kumar Rocker, who pitches a no-hitter, complete game, nine innings pitch, no-hitter, 
with 19 strikeouts, just absolutely wipeout slider, unbelievable pitching performance by that young man. And you won't be surprised by this, but Chris Pollard, the Duke head coach, walks out, has his batter step out of the box, and has a phony conference with him to try to break up Rocker's rhythm in the middle of that no-no. Rocker strikes him out anyway when Pollard's finally done and starts yelling towards the Duke dugout, have another conference, have another conference. I'm usually not into that kind of stuff, but when it's Duke and it's Chris Pollard, I'm all about it. Because if anybody likes delay tactics, it's that guy. Absolutely ridiculous to act that way during a baseball game. I mean, you just got to let the guys play baseball. That's the way it goes. If you can't hit his stuff, you can't hit his stuff. That's your own fault. So it was really something to see. Lots of neat storylines all through the Supers. Lots of great stuff went on. Lots of tears, I'm sure, and disappointment. But it's been a lot of fun to watch them. Been a lot of fun to be there for this Texas Tech Super. And now looking forward to the College World Series once again in Omaha, Nebraska. Get your travel plans taken care of. It's a lot of fun. If you've never been, at least try to go for the first weekend when your team's there. Try to go for the first weekend even when your team's not there. A ton of people do. Fantastic atmosphere, just an amazing destination. It's a beautiful city. Omaha's a great place to visit as well. So I'll be back in your feed later this week. Have a special guest for you. We'll break down the Michigan Wolverines. We'll talk a little bit about this Red Raider season, what we can look for in Omaha from these Red Raiders. You know, I talk about it a lot. It's important to remember where you came from. Well, Tim Tadlock remembers, and I remember his words back then in 2012 when he came to Texas Tech. Back then in 2014, when you first make it to Omaha, I remember his words and his emotion and how much he loves this place. Wasn't too long ago a guy told me, Texas Tech can't go to Omaha. Guess what we're about to find out. Softly hit. Here comes Glazer again. Has it happened again? It has! Really weren't thinking about playing. We are thinking about playing baseball. It carries well. what you said in your introductory press conference two years ago. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I do. Of course I do. I mean, why not? Why not dream big? Well, the why nots have gotten Texas Tech, Tim Tadlock, the Red Raiders, and all of us to Omaha for the fourth time. Man, it never gets old. It never gets old watching those guys dogpile. Never gets old watching this program fight and scrap and claw for the respect it deserves. Never gets old. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait to be there. Hope I get to see you there. I'm going to talk to you one more time before we're there, and then I will be coming to you all the time from Omaha, bringing you everything I can. I'll team up with everybody I can up there and and be a part of as much as I can for you if you're not able to make it. So until we talk next time, enjoy it, bask in it, check out Twitter, and look at all the fun stuff that's going on as you lead up to Omaha. And until we talk again, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me 
be the first one to fire. Every man is a liar. There's just one kind of man who tells the truth. That's a dead man or a gringo like me.